Well, once again, it's indeed a privilege to be with you, to be here, to open God's Word, to read God's Word, to appreciate God's Word, and hopefully to learn from God's Word. I ask you this morning, once again, to turn with me to that Old Testament book, the book of Numbers, the Gospel according to Numbers. Here in the book of Numbers, chapter 18, we'd like to begin reading with verse 12. Just read verses 12 and 13, because we covered those a little bit last week. In these two verses of Scripture, we find that God, through Moses, told Aaron, how wonderful I'm going to bless you. As a picture, a type, and a shadow of the blessings that go to the church, to the saints of God, to those who are redeemed by the blood of Christ, to those who are his children. He shares here in this picture, he says, All the best of the oil, and all the best of the wine, and of the wheat, the first fruits of them which they shall offer unto the Lord, them have I given thee. And we were drawn over there to the book of Ephesians chapter 1 where it shares with us that the church is blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And we went down through uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and just noticed a few of those rich blessings that we have in Christ. He hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. God knows so much better than we ever will know in our natural state. God knows that we would never, ever choose Him, that we would never come face to face with Him with a broken heart. God has to give that to us. God has to give us faith. God has to give us repentance. God has to do all those things for us. It's like trying to have a child walk, an infant, a baby in a crib to walk, to talk to feed themselves. We would never ask them to do that. We would take care of them. Well, God knows that the same is true about us by our nature. We're dead in trespasses and sins. We're worse off than an infant. Our spiritual nature is completely dead. We have this physical being that uh, is animated. It heart is pumping, lungs are breathing, the functions are going on, and we have this semblance of life But when it comes to spiritual things, we don't. Well, once the Lord blesses us with the new birth and gives us Christ as our Savior, He gives us the best of everything. The best of Christ, the best of of the Bible, the best of all things, as we find there in the book of Numbers and over in the book of Ephesians and throughout the Scriptures. And then in verse 13, it says, Whatsoever is first ripe in the land, which they shall bring unto the Lord, shall be thine. Every one that is clean in thine house shall eat of it. You know, he mentions that because we get over to the New Testament and we find out that the Lord chose 12 to be disciples. And he knew when he chose that one person, Judas Iscariot, he knew what he was. He knew that he was not going to follow him. He knew he was not going to believe on him. He knew that he was not going to be instructed by him. But he was placed there on purpose Not only to fulfill the scriptures that we find in the Old Testament, but to fulfill the very purpose of God and to fulfill the very purpose of God's redemptive work in Christ Jesus. He was going to be the key to betraying him. He was going to kiss him and then they were going to take him away. Well, we've been reminded many times as we look into the scriptures that they did not take him. He said, I lay down my life that I might take it up again. 
It looks like the rabble has taken him off for trial, but he's given them permission to do that. When he, uh, he looked at those folks and he said, whom do you seek? And he said, they, we're seeking Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. That's all he said. And those people are face down in the dirt. Now, they didn't do that because they wanted to. They did that because God put his hand on them and put them down. He was in charge of this whole thing. He was in charge of the trial. God was in charge of the trial. God was in, in charge of him carrying that cross up to Golgotha. God was in charge of him when he was nailed to the cross. God was in charge when he was suspended between heaven and earth. And God was in charge when he spoke those seven times from the cross. And he was in charge when he said, it is finished. And he gave up the ghost. Now, most people didn't understand what was going on. There were a few. One woman. The Lord said, she's doing this for my burial. She seemed to understand something about this. But after the resurrection, the Lord revealed all those things to them, and they understood the scriptures, and they became preachers of righteousness. Well, here, going on into this chapter, this 18th chapter of the book of, of Numbers, in verse 14, we read an interesting verse of scripture. It says, Everything devoted in Israel shall be thine. Everything devoted. Now, that word devoted is an interesting word. It means to be dedicated. Everything dedicated. Now, this word has been translated a number of times in the Old Testament in some odd ways, we would think. One of them comes to my mind, and, and if you don't realize by now, I love to find out how these words are used in other places. Uh, I find out a lot of information in the scriptures to see how was this word translated in other places. Well, if you remember, over in the book of Joshua, there was a pro progress was halted one time. Joshua was in charge of the children of Israel. And it's so interesting. We find that Moses was not permitted to enter this land. And we find out why. Because he represented the law. And nobody is ever brought into the kingdom of God by keeping the law. We are brought into the kingdom of heaven by another representative, and his name is Jesus. Now, it is no strange thing to find out that God Almighty would have the guy in charge of Israel named Joshua, which is Hebrew, and Jesus is Greek. And they mean the same thing. Savior, deliverer. Well, he does so good of demonstration of that. And yet we find at one time the taking of that land that had been promised Israel was halted. So turn with me for just a brief moment over to the book of Joshua chapter 7, if you would. There is a point that the Lord wants us to, to see here with regard to this word. Everything devoted, everything dedicated in Israel shall be thine. Well, this word is translated over here in the book of Joshua chapter 7 in a little bit different way. It tells us here in verse 1, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah took the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Now, 
When we first read that, we may not see that there is a lot of similarity between the word devoted and accursed thing, but they are translated from the same Hebrew word, accursed thing. Now we find out that this thing that Achan had taken was dedicated to another religion. It was dedicated to the religion of the people that Joshua and the children of Israel were trying to overtake. God had promised that they were going to take this land, and they were going to defeat all the enemies of that land. And yet we find here at this one time, and it's the only occasion that we have record of, that there was a halting to the progress because one man took something that was dedicated to another religion, a man-made religion, a created religion, a religion of man. Let's follow down through here in verse 11 of this. And I would encourage you to read this whole chapter. So it's very interesting. It says, Israel has sinned. They have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing, this dedicated thing to another religion. And you know what happens is this guy takes it into his bosom, into his uh, personal wealth and so forth. He takes this that is dedicated to something else that is so contrary to grace, so contrary to God, and he brings it into himself and says, I'll dedicate this to God. Well, he hides it. <laughs> Let's just read on here. Cursed thing have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Now in verse 20, I encourage you to read this whole chapter, but in verse 20, And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. Now it's one thing to sin against the Lord God of Israel, and it's another thing to sin against my God. <laughs> Achan is admitting here that he has very little knowledge about God. It's the God, the national God. It's the God of Israel. But we will find in other places, against thee and thee only have I sinned. That's what David said about his sin. You know, when it is personal, when it is a personal God, a God that we relate to, a God that has revealed himself to us, it becomes a whole lot greater but to Achan, it was just the national God I've sinned against. I've sinned against the God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. And then in verse 21, And when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment. Now this garment is not just something that everybody wears. This is a Babylonian dedicated garment to some religion of the Babylonians. Now, what's God trying to teach us about this? This is what I saw. God will not. He is not pleased. He nor will he come. He just cannot. He will not allow a dedication of something that is so false as works-oriented religion with grace. We cannot have it. God says, no, it's not possible. I will not allow you to dedicate something that is so wrong, so off the wall, so unscriptural. I will not allow you to dedicate it in this religion. I will not allow my people to have an accursed thing in their religion. 
We cannot mix works and grace. We cannot have those things mixed. We will not go back to our works. We will not go back to those things. We'll not go back to our former religion and say, this is just as good as this. Achan said, this garment is just as good as the high priest's garments. And God said, they are an accursed thing. We cannot, we are not allowed to bring in to the gospel those things that are strange, accursed. God will not permit it. He does not allow it. He will not have anybody stand before him in an accursed garment. He will only allow us to stand before him in the righteousness of Christ. He will not allow us to come before him with our works. He will only allow us to come before him in the works of Christ. He will not allow us to come in our own blood. He will only allow us to come in the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ. So don't go to God with an accursed thing. Well, the new birth, as we heard read there in the book of 1 Peter this morning, it's being born again. And when that happens, God prevents his people from bringing that stuff along. All right, let's go back there to the book of Numbers. There's another point that we want to look in Numbers chapter 18, and it has to do with redemption. You know, redemption is quite an issue throughout the scriptures. We find that redemption, redeem, redeemer, ransom, surety are words that are found throughout the scriptures and principles and and thoughts that are found throughout the scriptures that are in the Old Testament generally as types and shadows and pictures, but oftentimes we find speaking about someone else that is going to do that for a people We find here in the book of Numbers, chapter 18, with verses 15 through 19, that there is the thought of redemption. Now, here in the book of Numbers, that a person who is a month old is to be redeemed. The firstborn is to be redeemed. And in this passage of Scripture, they're to be redeemed with a coin, some money. Well, it's no wonder when we get over to the New Testament in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 that the Apostle Peter reminds us that that system does not work here. It never worked to actually redeem someone from their sin. The system that God uses to redeem his people from their sins is Jesus Christ's blood. That's what redemption means. It means to be purchased from a very terrible state. In these types and shadows and pictures, we find that we are, they picture the redemption from the bondage of sin. And that's the greatest thing that we have to deal with, is the bondage of sin. We cannot overcome it on our own. We are held, our body, mind, and spirit are held by this. We, we fell in Adam. And you know, we had a representative. And that representative was given every opportunity to do the right thing. It, it, he was given such an opportunity that even when his wife ate that fruit, it did not bother the system. 
no darkness, no running, no hiding. Everything was okay. But the, she was not the representative. He was the representative. Adam was the representative of all of his children after him. And he represented us very poorly. <laughs> now on the other side, hidden here in the curtains, is a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Behind the curtains is an eternal, everlasting covenant that God was going to have his son redeem his people from their sins. Adam acted on his own will. And I've said this many times, and the scriptures are evidence to this, that Adam was the only person that ever got to act on his free will. Now, when Adam fell and he brought children into this world, down to this very point, we can act on a will within the confines of our being. We can choose Wheaties in the morning or we can choose oatmeal. We can put on blue socks or brown socks. I could wear this shirt or I could have wore another shirt. I can act on the confines of my realm. But when it comes to spiritual things, the scriptures tell us right out. You can't get there from there because you're dead. You have no ability to respond and come to God in any form. Now we come in religion. We come with the accursed thing. We'll do that all the time. But we cannot we will not come to God. We cannot and will not keep the law. It's impossible. And we cannot come to God. God looked down from heaven to see if there were any that did seek after him. The book of the Psalms, chapter 14, Psalm 14. He looked down from heaven. God looked down. Now, that's, that's not the preacher looking down. You know, I look at you as, I, just, I love you and I appreciate you a great deal. But God looked down and he said the same thing that the scriptures have said he has a great, great deal more authority, and guess what? He can look at our heart. In my natural state, I don't even know my own heart. The scriptures tell us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That word desperately means incurable. We can't find the cure. Religion has been striving to find the cure. We have all of those accursed things. We have all of those rituals. We have all of that stuff. And yet it has never achieved. There is only one thing that has achieved, and that is God and God alone. Now, God grants life. Let me ask you this, as I ask most people when I'm around, what part did you play in your birth? physically, and you think God is going to have you do more with your spiritual birth than he lets you have in your physical birth, it took the grace of God for me to learn that. But when he gives us the new birth, we say yes and amen. All right. It tells us here in verses 16, 17, 18, and 19 some things about redemption. Here in this passage of scripture, humankind, firstborn, are to be redeemed. Critters that are unclean are to be redeemed. Unclean. 
Well, they're not fit for sacrifice, so redeem them. Now, it does tell us over in the book of Job that man be born like a wild ass's colt. And in the book of Exodus, chapter 34 and verse 20, it says, if you're not going to redeem an ass's colt, then break its neck. So you redeem it or it's dead. That's it. That's what the Bible has to say about it. Now, man could not be a sacrifice for himself. These unclean animals, camels, pigs, you can go down the list of those who did not have cloven feet or did not chew the cud. Break that out. Sheep could, goats could, cattle could, camels couldn't, rhinoceros couldn't, elephants couldn't, unclean. Now, there probably wasn't many of those in the camp of Israel traveling along with them, but you redeemed them if they were the firstborn. When it got to the redemption of cows and sheep and goats, the firstborn were to be brought and sacrificed. Their blood sprinkled on the altar, and the most of the meat was given to the Levites. That's their welfare program. The fat was burned. It was a sweet-smelling savor. The very best was given to God. Now, as we look through this, we find out that even in the types and shadows and pictures, they could not demonstrate true redemption. They could not demonstrate what redemption of a person actually is. You cannot buy a person out of sin. You can buy them out of slavery, but you cannot buy them out of sin. You can pay for the property they've lost, but you can't buy them out of sin. Sin has such a crust on us that it cannot be purchased by physical means. We cannot pray out of it. We cannot dedicate ourselves out of it. We cannot come forward out of it. We can't sign a card out of it. We can't do all the things that all the religion tells us we must do. I remember going to my pastor and telling him I don't think I'm saved, so he got me back down on my knees making the the sinner's prayer. When I told him that nothing had happened, he said only one thing is left, and that is you've been called to preach. Well, that turned out to be a lie. I wasn't called to preach. I was just another lost one leaving a lost pastor. I'm so thankful that in time... God let me to hear, let me hear the gospel, that it was not you that saved you, it is God that saved you. If you're ever saved, it's God. How did I get the faith? God. How did I get the repentance? God. How did you get sanctification? God. How did you get glorification? God. Nothing's left up to us. He takes care of it all. Redemption, redeem, and redeemer are often occurring themes in the Old Testament by type, shadow, and picture. And yet we find in the New Testament so much is said about that. Now it does not mean that people in the Old Testament were not saved. They were saved by the same grace. But the types and shadows and pictures are often there. This redemption has to be of the in the form that is required. Now I was in... uh, France recently, and we were, France or Germany, where Audie Murphy made his great stand and got his uh, uh, Medal of Honor and 
Germany or France? I think it was France. <laughs> anyway, there, there is a wonderful museum there. And we were in that museum, and I'm looking at all the stuff and pictures of Audie Murphy and stuff like that. And there is a guy in there that wants to buy this book that is written about Audie Murphy. And you know what? He didn't have any euros. Now, euros are the, the money that is accepted through many European countries. But there are a couple of countries that have not got to use euros yet, and their money is not accepted where euros are accepted. Now, I could use American dollars because people really like American dollars over there. They can trade them right in for euros. But they can't trade this. I cannot remember what country it was, but that's all he had. You know what? He didn't leave with the book. They wouldn't sell it to him. It wasn't the right money. You know, when, when Abraham wanted to purchase a piece of property to bury his wife in, it tells us that he paid 400 shekels of silver, current money of the merchant. He couldn't give those faults out of the... Well, I got these down in Ur of Chaldees. Won't they be good enough? No, you don't own the property. Well, the thing that is said is, if you don't have the proper payment, you don't get paid. <laughs> You're not redeemed. You're not brought out. You must have the proper payment, and the proper payment is not our activities, not our works, but the blood of Christ. That is the proper payment. That is what God requires, is the blood of his son. Payment for his people. Now, everything else is not going to work. Everything else is that Babylonian garment that is an accursed thing. You cannot come to God and expect him to take the money that he doesn't accept. You wouldn't do it. Uh, I'm going to buy your car from you, and I want to pay you in. Uh, I'm going to pay you in pre-World War II, Ger no, World War II German marks. My brother gave me a thousand mark bill. It was given to him. He thought he was giving me something great. I took it to the to the bank. They said we'll have to look into it. I came back in a week, and I says, "This is worthless piece of paper. It will not buy anything. It may be a collector's item." That's it. Well, you bring to God your works, and he says, I don't accept works. And he's, I remember a preacher, and please forgive me if this is just too vivid for you, but I remember a preacher using an illustration about a man coming up to a mansion that was for sale, and he had a wheelbarrow of scrapings out of the barnyard and said, I'd like to trade this wheelbarrow full of scrapings out of the barnyard for your mansion. You know what happened? The door was closed on him. It's not going to work. The blood of Jesus Christ. You know, we do find out, Job said in the Old Testament in chapter 19, I know my Redeemer liveth. Now, he knew a Redeemer, and he knew that he was alive. And a Redeemer is someone that had purchased him, had purchased him. Turn with me, if you would, to the Psalms for just a moment. The Psalms. In Psalm 49, Psalm 49, and verse 15, 
Psalm 49, verse 15, it says, But God will redeem my soul from, now notice this, from the power of the grave. My God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. What's the power of the grave? Well, when we leave this earth without redemption, without Christ, we leave this world not only to enter into the next world, but we enter into the next world held by the power of the grave, which is death, which is eternal death, which there is absolutely nothing left to do. The power of the grave. But God said, I will redeem my people from the power of the grave. I know my Redeemer liveth. God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. He will purchase me. He will redeem me. He will bring me out. In the... uh, Turn with me to Psalm, uh, is it back in verse 7 of this? Yeah, verse 7 of the same Psalm. Verse 7. None of them, Psalm 49, verse 7, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. You know, I would have given anything if there had been any way possible that I could have redeemed my mother and my father and my family. But God said, you cannot. There is no redemptive value in your hoping. There is only redemptive value in God. There's only redemptive value in God's Son, in the blood of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God has sent redemption to his people. There is plenteous redemption, we read in the Psalms. In the New Testament, we are truly revealed who is the Redeemer. It's brought out in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, he's identified. In the Old Testament, he's the Messiah, the one coming. In the New Testament, we find he's identified. Behold the Messiah, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. In 1 Corinthians, turn there with me if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. What a wonderful passage of Scripture this is and how all complete it is to show us from beginning to end that Jesus Christ is all in all to the church. He is all in all to his people without the works of righteousness which we have done. He redeems us in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us, Wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification. And notice the last one. He's our redemption. He he is the redeemer. And he is the redemptive price. It was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that redeems his people from all their sin. We're not redeemed by works. We're not redeemed by payment. We're not redeemed by any of those things. We're not redeemed by anything that we can perform. It is out of our hands. It is in the hand of God. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, we read this last week, but we want to read it again, for we want to see this view that is brought out here. It tells us how we have redemption. The price is paid. The Redeemer has paid the price. He is the surety for the church. He's the one that said, if everything fails, you know, 
I was told one time, don't ever become, don't ever become the cosigner. Don't ever become the cosigner. Because if they don't pay their bill, guess who gets to? Well, the positive thing about this is, Jesus Christ in the covenant of grace said, I will be their cosigner. And when it goes wrong, I have taken care of it. Here in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, Christ's blood, and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In him we have redemption through his blood. No other redemption is there. He's the only one that has the redemption price. He's the only one that has the right currency to pay the redemptive price of his people. We don't. Ours is worldly. His is heavenly. In the book of Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 12. The book of Hebrews, chapter 9 and verse 12. Now, all of this is far greater than any pictures. I've used this illustration before. We, I've been in some really nice restaurants that have wonderful menus. I like those colored ones. It's got pictures of the food. Well, sometimes what you see in the picture is not what you get on the plate, but, but I've never asked to eat the menu as good as it looks I want the food I want what that menu represents well as beautiful as the pictures are in the Old Testament about redemption they didn't redeem a thing nobody was redeemed by the blood of bulls and goats nobody was saved by the law nobody was saved by keeping or trying to keep the law Nobody was saved with any of those things. Only God could save his people from their sins. Here in the book of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12, it says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place. Not into that physical holy place, but he entered into heaven in the presence of God. He appeared with his own blood to show, I have redeemed my people from their sins. Goes on to say, having obtained. Now, I like that past tense when it comes about obtained. It's taken care of. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. What does he say? When I save my people, I will lose none of them. When I redeem my people, they will not go back and lose that redemption. Now, under the Old Testament law, a person might sell himself into servitude because he needed to pay a debt, and someone might come along, his surety, and pay the price and get him out, and guess what? He might sell himself again and go back into servitude. That could be a possibility. But when it comes to salvation from God he is the absolute surety, security, and he said, I will lose none. They're, my son's blood has paid for them in completeness. Though we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 
Turn with me to Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35. In Isaiah 35, verse 10. Now this is the results of being ransomed. The Redeemer has paid the price, the ransom price, and now he's talking about the ransomed. Those who have been ransomed out of sin. He says, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion. What does that mean? I'm not leaving you where you are. I'm bringing you to Zion. I'm not leaving you there. I've shared a number of times when, when I was saved and the church I was pastoring fired me, it really bothered me. But later I found out the Lord was doing the best thing he possibly could. Not to leave me there in that religion. God does not leave us in that religion. He brings us to Zion. And what is that Zion? Come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy. My goodness, it is incumbent upon believers to have joy in the Lord and enjoy. I like what the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Oh, great difficulties come into your life. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I have cancer. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I lost my mother. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. This is all in God's everlasting eternal purpose. Paul said from the jail... Everything has fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel. And the ransom, verse 10, and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads, and they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sign shall flee away. You know... Sometimes it's just hard to be around people that say they're believers and they just can't get out of the mully grubs. They just cannot. I used to be in the mully grubs all the time. Salvation has helped me a lot. You get to say, so? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Brother Mike.